Happy Sabbath, everyone. I'm so excited to be studying the book of Ephesians with you. My colleague, Pastor Miguel, is in Kenya right now with the Loma Linda University Church's mission trip team. Um, his uh, wife, Pastor Linda, is the leader of that team, and I know both of them would very much appreciate your prayers uh, to bless the work that they're doing over there. Mm. But in the meantime, we have Pastor Philip with, with us to help guide us through this first chapter of the book of Ephesians. But before I invite him on, let's have a word of prayer together. Our Heavenly Father, we, we ask for your presence, your, your spirit to guide us as we study the book of Ephesians. Help us to not only understand the words that Paul is writing, but for those words to transform the way that we live our lives. Mm. This is our prayer mm. in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Pastor Philip, welcome. Thank you, Pastor Joey. Always good to be here with you, man. <laughs> it's great to be Thank with you. Thank you for inviting me back. Yeah, I mean, you you are an old hat at this, but for any of you who may not know him, Pastor Philip is our young adult pastor. Yeah. Here he leads a ministry called Praxis. Yes. Right? And yes, you, you yes. even have the logo right there on your... Here it is your, in my water bottle. Yeah. <laughs> so how was the 4th of July for you? How did you oh, celebrate the, you. the birth of our nation, our Independence Day? <laughs> <laughs> All of that. Well, we we had a good time. Went to grandma's house and spent some time swimming. Had some grilling going on. The kids swam and swam for like three hours straight. Our son started crying at like six to go to the bed. <laughs> he was so tired. He huh? was exhausted. <laughs> oh, wow. Exhausted. Wow, that's the yeah. first time I've heard of a child crying to go to oh, bed. Oh man, he'll do it all the time. <laughs> if he get if he gets too worn out, he's like. Put me to bed. Sleep, sleep. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's, I'm so glad he does that because our daughter, no, definitely yeah. does. She kept like waking me up till nine. She kept hearing the fireworks. She wanted to go outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she just loves to continue oh, yeah. to keep yeah. the party going. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you do? So we, we spent time with our rooted Young Professional Sabbath School. Oh, nice. We went to watch the fireworks at Redlands, and they were pretty incredible. Oh, really? Yeah. They, I mean, just being that close, we've we've often seen them for, from afar, but this is yeah. our first time actually going to the event. Yeah. And we actually had to lay down so that we could see the fireworks because they were right above us. Oh, wow. And... Let me tell you, they were very loud Whoa. and it was pretty spectacular. So oh, wow. yeah, it was fun to watch. That's so cool. That's <laughs> so cool. Well, the birth of our nation, it deserves a, a little spectacular night. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. does. Independence Day. And uh, in the book of Ephesians, we celebrate another birth, yes. a rebirth yes. of, of ourselves and the, the adoption yeah. that God gives to us. Yes. Um, and that's yes. that's what Paul talks about in this, this section that's covered by this week's lesson, mm -hmm, Ephesians mm -hmm, chapter mm -hmm. 1, verses 3 through 14. So why don't we read that together and, and then we'll, we'll <clears throat> study it. So do you want to get us started, yeah. Yeah. Philip, yeah. with uh, verses 3 through 10? Let's do it. Verse 3. Praise be to the Lord God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us, the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the richness of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth in Christ, under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. 
when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, mm. the promised Holy Spirit, mm. who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Ooh, wow. 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 You know, I, I love how Paul, in the hmm. beginning of his letters, he has these blessings yeah. or these thanksgivings. Yeah. And he, in this one, he does both. He has mm. the blessing. And then mm. um, next, we're going to look at the mm. thanksgiving in a, mm. in, a, in, a, in a following week. Mm. But in these blessings, thanksgivings, he sort of outlines the message or at least gives hints of the message that, are, that he's planning to give mm. throughout the letter. Mm. And in this mm. one, he starts with this idea of blessing, mm. right? Mm. Um, the, the New International Version that both of us were reading from, it starts with verse 3 with this phrase, praise be to God. But literally in the Hebrew, the word is blessed be God. It's actually mm. the same word that he continues um, with every spiritual blessing. So this idea of blessing is, is repeated throughout this first section. Mm. Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, mm. who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in mm. Christ. So that, that is a key word there. Mm. So um, a, a lot of scholars talk about how spiritual blessings are not just that they are, um, they are not concrete, mm. they're abstract, but more that they are blessings given by the Holy Spirit. Ooh, right? Wow, so when wow, you think wow. about the blessings that the Holy Spirit gives, what, what kinds of things yeah. come to mind and uh, yeah. what do you appreciate about the yeah. blessings? I mean, I, I love this topic of the Holy Spirit because so many of us have such a weak attachment. Mm. Um, and I shouldn't even say the Holy Spirit, almost de depersonizes, yeah. you know, it should be to Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> yeah. But we're not used to saying that. Yeah, we don't say to the God or to, yeah, to the, the Jesus, Jesus yeah. yeah, but to Holy Spirit. <laughs> I, I think John 14 is really a beautiful space to kind of think about. There we have Jesus praying a prayer to the Father and he kind of tells his, well, I should say, not just praying a prayer, but speaking to his disciples and telling them, hey, I'm so excited to go. I'm looking forward to that because I'm going to be sending you an advocate. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be sending you the paraclete, someone who will assist you. Yeah. And that's literally the word, to assist us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the greatest blessings that most people do not take advantage of as believers, that the Holy Spirit is there and ready to be your partner in life, yeah. to be your guide along the way, to help you maneuver through the difficulties and the joys and sorrows of life that, hey, he is there closer than even Jesus could be. Yeah. Wow. And yet so neglected. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of my favorite things that the Holy Spirit is really there. And I guess I wonder, Joey, why is it that not enough of us recognize his assistance, mm. recognize the presence that he wants to have in our lives? Yeah, it's a it's a good question because Jesus makes it clear that at this period in Earth's history, the spirit of the Godhead, they're all involved in our lives, but of the Godhead, the spirit has central stage in the 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 work of the Godhead here mm -hmm, on mm -hmm, earth, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. He says, I have to leave so that the comforter may come. Yeah. So there is this idea that this stage and at this point in earth's history, he is like the most involved. And yet, mm. and yet, like you said, we, we don't always resonate as yeah. well with the spirit. Yeah. 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 I think there's a few reasons that sometimes we don't recognize his presence or neglect to. I think one of the first is simply, you know, I would almost love to go to John 14 just to spend a little time there. But just to summarize a couple of the concepts, one is first that the world hates him mm. and does not see him. Mm. It kind of reminds me of this just basic understanding to recognize our friendship. I have to see you. I have to like, wow, you're here. I'm not just looking past you and everything else around, but recognizing the first thing is to recognize the spirit is present. Yeah. The spirit exists. I see the spirit. And the second component, I would say, kind of goes to Matthew 5, verse 8. It's uh, in the Beatitudes. There's just this one little simple verse. It's, the pure in heart will see God. Mm. Our lack of seeing the spirit a lot of times is because there's a clouded 
kind of vision that we live with and the lack of our own purity, not to say, hey, I'm here to advocate for perfection, but in many ways I am just advocating for purity of living, purity of thought, purity of just how we interact with each other and God and ourselves because there's a barrier that almost emerges, not because God is blocking it, but we just simply in our own are, are distracted. Part of, as John 14 talks about, you're part of the kingdom of this world and not of the heavenly realm. And that kind of puts a barrier between recognizing the blessing of the Spirit and the blessing that He could be in our life. Because you can't hear His guidance. Mm. You can't hear when He's reminding you of Scripture to guide your decisions. You just can't notice the peace He wants to give you in times of stress. Um, so kind of a two-step process, recognize He wants to be there. Secondly, there is a part we play in, in how He interacts with us. Um, but thirdly, kind of where, where Paul will sit, praise God for his grace too, mm. that covers a multitude of our sin where we were to give us freedom so that we might interact with the blessing and receive the blessing. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a great point that sometimes we are blinded by our own, um, cloudiness that yeah. we put in because mm. of our different priorities, our mm. sinfulness, mm -hmm. our, our desires sometimes mm -hmm. cloud us to what God is doing and how God right. is moving in right. our everyday lives. And um, that really is the spirit moving. Mm -hmm. I wonder also if, especially within our Adventist faith tradition, um, there is some discomfort with the spirit mm -hmm. because of some radical behaviors of some people who were a part of the Adventist faith in the past and then went on to make other movements. Right. Um, and this 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 um, concern about spiritualism mm. and all of mm. those things mm. makes us a little bit uncomfortable mm -hmm. with the moving of the spirit yeah. as yeah. well. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I think as Adventists, we are really good at the study of God's word. I mean, Sabbath school doesn't exist in most denominations like it does in, in our faith community. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone in the entire world studying one topic together and globally, wow, that's mm -hmm. huge. And the depth at which we can study it, uh, the teaching that comes out, of it, I mean, that's amazing. That is one of our best kind of characteristics. We are a people of study, yeah. but a people of intimately knowing the spirit of God you're right, we are extremely hesitant because I think a little bit of a lack of control emerges, it feels like, yeah. that I'm not controlling this. Um, and sometimes we go to maybe negative ways in which we've seen the spirit ab abused, you could say, mm -hmm. uh, communities that don't resemble ours very in many ways, but also that, oh, well, the spirit of God told me you have to do this and X, Y, and Z. It's like, whoa, wait. The Spirit didn't tell me that. I remember this joke of this one girl, uh, a young man, this was when I was in seminary, young guy came up to me and he said, I think the Holy Spirit's telling me, you've got to be my wife. <laughs> That's a good line. Oh, man. I don't know if he was joking or he was serious, but she's like, you're talking to a different spirit because he didn't tell me that. You know? One okay. of them were blinded. One of them were blinded. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of hesitance because there's a lack of control. There's also an, just an unknowing of, of what the Spirit does. Mm -hmm. um, what is the blessing of, of the Holy Spirit? I think in a simple fashion, just going back to John 14, hey, he wants to work in your life and be as intimately connected with you as as a friend does. Yeah. To help guide, to be part of your life, to give direction. Yeah. 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 And that's that's what exactly what Paul is saying here. That's why I love how he begins this this letter with the spirit mm. and the blessings that the spirit provides and mm. then he starts to enumerate mm. them throughout throughout this um section um including at the end that he is the deposit of guaranteeing our inheritance mm. so, so all throughout it talks about what this what the blessings that we receive through the spirit yeah. right yeah so when you when you look at these blessings when you think about other blessings that the spirit gives to us why is it so important to to recognize those things and to recognize the spirit um, as as the author of those blessings and which one of those blessings do you find most meaningful to you? Mm. Wow, Joey, good question, brother. <laughs> I'm gonna start putting you on the uh, on the chopping block here with good questions. I, I mean, a couple of things hit hit me first, and that is the fact that 
the Holy Spirit is a person. Mm. And so the Holy Spirit can give gifts. Yeah. You know, we imagine a lot of times that the Spirit in the early Adventism really was not a separate entity. It was the manifestation out of God towards humanity. Yeah. The force of God, the enactor of God, his, you know, but the fact that the Spirit can give blessings is because, hey, he's an entity of his own, mm-hmm. uh, working in triune fashion, but he can deposit as he wishes because he is his own. Yes. You know, just as your daughter could say hi as much as you could say hi to me. She's her own being. She's her own thinking. I know you're probably are a little bit nervous of how she's going to act now. She's a teenager now. Wow. You know, but that's the thing. The Spirit gives because the Spirit can move and act um, in ways that He's recognizing you have need for His blessing in this time. Yeah. So even though the presence of Jesus isn't here, it doesn't mean that God is inactive yeah. either. I do want to say, I hope at the end here, we do talk about verse 14 a little bit, 13, 14. Yeah. Um, talking about the this mark of God the mark of the beast, the seal of God. There's this something about the Holy Spirit here, actually, that's pretty significant that I hope we touch on. Mm. But I think one of the first gifts that I, I almost want to talk about is the fact that immediately the Holy Spirit declares Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the greatest things that the Holy Spirit does. He declares the word yeah. to us and he declares Jesus as King and Lord over all. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the passage is truly a high Christology. Yeah. Wow, the greatest blessing bestowed unto us Mm. is the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Yeah. That's significant. It is very significant. And I love that, again, about especially how Paul describes this relationship between the triune God. It is not like one, there is no struggle for uh, one to be higher than the other. Mm. It's this intimate partnership where the spirit uplifts the son and the son uplifts the spirit and the father uplifts them. You know, there is Mm. this kind of dynamic between them. And you see that here, even though he's talking about these blessings that come from the spirit, the one of the blessings, like you said, that comes from the spirit is the highlighting of the son and the role the son, son's work plays in our lives Mm -hmm. and makes us into adopted children, (laughs) just like just having the same status as the son to the father. Mm. It's, a, it's just wow. a beautiful, wow. beautiful thing. They they keep lifting each other up. Yeah. Keep elevating. Yeah. Yeah. And and that gift that you're talking about, um, why it's important to have the to understand the personhood of the of the spirit. Mm. I was thinking about that because when you don't know the person, it's hard to receive their gifts, mm, right? Mm, um, mm. I recently, uh, one of our our viewers, uh, Debbie from Washington, she recently gave me these um, tennis balls oh. because she heard that I love playing tennis. <laughs> and But she had, I don't even know how this is done, but she, she had sent them somewhere to have them imprinted with my name on them. No way! Yeah, wow. I, I was gonna bring them today, but I did. I, I I left them in my office. But yeah, they they're imprinted with my name. Um, there's some, some smiley faces. On oh, them. that it's, is it's so It's such a cute. special, such a special gift. So I love that. Thank you so much, Debbie, for doing that. But but thinking about that, thinking about receiving a gift, if somebody. Um, if somebody that I don't know or don't have a relationship with gives me a gift, sometimes it's uncomfortable. Like, I don't know where it's coming mm, from. Mm. Having met Debbie and knowing Debbie, or she, you know, she's communicated with us in the past and um, uh, even gave Pastor Miguel some of his favorite candy in the past. <laughs> um, there is a relationship there. Yeah. And so there, that, that idea that it is difficult, maybe part of the reason why we have difficulty it, receiving some of the gifts that we're going to talk about today especially the last one that you're talk that you that you mentioned that we, we definitely want to get to as far as being a seal of god maybe part of the challenge of receiving those gifts is because we have this uncomfortable relationship mm, with the spirit mm, and mm. so we don't we don't as fully receive the gifts that he offers to mm, us i don't know what mm. you think oh that's a great point i mean if you don't know someone, you can still be awed by their mercy, but it is definitely personalized when you know who it is. Uh, one of our church members was going through a tough season financially, and I happen to have just come upon someone. It isn't just come upon divine appointment, I should rather say. Um, 
a gentleman who came to our church literally within the day and said, I have some money. Whenever you hear that at the church, you're like, wait, you have something you want to spend to bless, do this work. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. And I happen to have heard this story from this one church member, a wonderful mom, hardworking, has three kids, supporting them by herself. And he said, I have some money. I want to help someone. Mm -hmm. I put the two of them together Mm -hmm. and he literally gave her an envelope, but he didn't do it himself. He did it through me. Mm. So she never met this man, mm-hmm. you know? So she wrote a card for him. She said, please, could you give this to him? He didn't want to be known or anything like that. But how different would it have been if it would have been someone in the church who said, I'd love to have a relationship with you. And along the way, you know, check in on your life and bless you and speak into words of encouragement and hope. I know you're in a tough season. Uh, you know, maybe I can be there more intentionally it would have been a different experience and not to diminish the fact that this person wanted to do it anonymously, Mm -hmm. but just how different it would be as you're saying. Yeah. When someone works in conjunction with acknowledging this is who I am, I want you to know I care that much for you. Um, It also indicates a level of care on the person who does the giving Mm -hmm. because when it's somehow behind me going in between, they, they then didn't establish a relationship together. Yes. Um, but still a wonderful thing yeah. emerged in the in the end. Yeah, there's definitely a place for those anonymous gifts. Oh, you know, sure. Especially if you don't want the other person to feel like a sense of burden or yeah. a sense of responsibility to, to you. Um, but it, in this in this case, um, with the gifts of the spirit, it seems like the the point isn't just the gifts themselves. Mm-hmm. The point is the relationship with mm-hmm. the Spirit and with mm-hmm. the Godhead. And if mm-hmm. you look at these blessings, especially the first and the last one, there is there is definitely a relational element to it, right? For he chose us mm-hmm. in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. And so this idea of being chosen. And I don't know if, if you, Philip, have ever been chosen for something that you really mm-hmm. wanted to be mm-hmm. chosen for. When I was younger, I was small. Um, and not very fast and not very athletic. And so I was often the last one chosen. Oh, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I've learned to live with that. Joey can, <laughs> Joey can beat me in tennis any day. So he's really good. No, but yeah, this, this idea um, of not being chosen mm. and then how special it is to actually be chosen, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, my wife chose me and oh. that's one of the greatest choices Hallelujah. that I've experienced in my <laughs> life, right? Um, what's a time when you felt like you were chosen or maybe not yeah. chosen? Yeah, right? no, I mean, I, I, I agree with you in the idea of not being chosen early on in elementary, playing kickball yeah. and I was the last one. <laughs> so I really wanted to prove something one day. And I went out there and I kicked the ball as hard as I could, went straight up in the air and they got me out. So <laughs> even when you're not chosen and you try and prove something, it doesn't always it doesn't but, work out. But you know, I think the the idea here is just that it, it reminds me similar to the story uh, in the Old Testament where it's like, hey, God chose you before you were created. Yeah. He intimately knows you. I think that is the greater point. It's God chooses because he says, I choose that there would be life here. I choose that Philip would exist, that Joey would exist, you who are watching, that you would exist. There's a purpose to your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, Mm -hmm. for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of hope, future, good, blessing. You know, it's it's the choice on God's part really indicates a level of, intimate knowing, a plan for us, a purpose for us, also an incredible love Mm -hmm. for us. He chooses because he loves, creation is the birthplace of really the theology of beauty, uh, but also the theology of uh, relationality. Mm -hmm. God chooses that relationship would happen between nature and humankind, between nature and animal kingdom. I mean, just with God himself, the idea that God walked through the garden, there's this relational element to the Holy Spirit that he wants to know us deeply in that way. The Hence why the blessings, hey, I want to know you. I want you to be part of my life. But I think the greatest one that emerges here for me is just this idea. 
you are adopted in the same way to sonship. Yeah. Just as Jesus is a son, so you and I are brothers and sisters with yeah. Christ. Some people get a little bit unnerved by that. Yeah. How, what do you mean we're sons and daughters with Christ, you know? Yeah. He is the first son. That he is the eldest. He's the firstborn of creation, as you could say, kind of in these human terms of knowing, you know. Um, but it's really a privilege. Yeah. It's a huge privilege to be known as being part of the family of God. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because, I mean, it's one thing to be chosen by somebody to be on their team for an hour. It's quite another to be chosen to be on somebody's family mm. for eternity, mm. right? That is a completely different choice and oh, one yeah. that is much more significant. Mm. And yet God does this. He invites us into his royal family to be a part of his his family. And that's that's when you really take the time to consider the meaning of that, not just the status of being God's children, but also that relational, the value, the love, the mm. care, the compassion, mm. the acceptance, all of that that's wrapped up in mm. that choice. Mm. It is so beautiful mm. and so powerful, mm. this, this idea that God chose us. And wow. sometimes we get hung up on, and I, I think John McVeigh, the author of this lesson, does a great job describing this in in the Friday's lesson. But sometimes we get hung up on the, the phrase that he chose us before the creation of the world. Um, in love, he predestined us for adoption. And it's almost like, well, does that mean that we don't have free will? We don't have choice? And that's what we sort of get caught up on. It does seem like for Paul, though, I mean, as much as I can understand another person's intention in mind, but mm -hmm. as you read through this passage, it seems pretty clear that Paul is being a lot more emotive than he is being didactic here mm, explain right? that a little bit more he is he's being a lot he's he's trying to portray the emotion the love the the compassion that god has for us more than he is trying to do a okay well god chose this a thousand years before the creation. He's not trying to be as technical here as far as letting mm, us know mm, when mm, exactly mm, God chose us. It's mm. more that even before you were a gleam in your mother's eye, <laughs> God loved you. It's it's yeah, that kind of yeah. uh, feeling that is that that Paul is trying to convey here. Mm. So it's not he's not trying to have a debate about whether people have free will or not. Mm. That doesn't seem to be mm. um, Paul's goal here. His goal seems to be that God, God created us with a purpose because mm. he knew even before we were created, mm. he knew that he was going to choose us, that mm. he knew that we were, we were important to him. We had mm. that value mm. to him. Mm. So there is that, that, that sense of the deep love of God that gets communicated here, that God chose us mm. and that he would do any, go to any lengths mm. to rescue mm. us mm. and to make us a part of his family. Yeah. And Romans chapter eight reminded of yeah. God will go to any length to ensure we know his love. Yes. Oh, I love that. You know, I do want to take one moment just to talk about a high Christology. I think a church that has a a high pneumonology, this idea of, of the Holy Spirit, but also a high Christology as the Spirit points back to Jesus, I think is so important. Uh, a church that does not really place Jesus at the center of all, mm. I think will will fall into a works-based or a pride-based, like, hey, no, this is what's important. But really, when you talk about Jesus, Jesus is the one um, through the Godhead that is giving us every good gift, mm. every blessing, and particularly the blessing of salvation. Mm. It isn't our knowledge of, of knowing things better than others that will save us. It is simply the gift of grace. As you get into chapter 2, um, His rich mercy. Mm -hmm. Mercy is something that is, is given to someone not because of their merit, but simply by faith. Yeah. You know, and so I think... That's a really important thing to recognize. And, and particularly as a youth, young adult pastor, I'm reminded of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's quote uh, that he shared at a YMCA, is eight theses on youth. And the first one I want to read to you because a lot of times people think, what's going to save the future of the church? It's got to be young people. 
It's got to be the next generation. Otherwise, we're doomed. We're lost. But one thing, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German theologian of World War II, he had a high Christology. And this is one of the important things that he brings out. He says, since the days of the youth movement, church youth work has often lacked that element of Christian sobriety that alone might enable it to recognize that the spirit of youth is not the Holy Spirit and that the future of the church is not youth itself, but rather the Jesus Christ alone. It is the task of youth not to reshape the church, but rather to listen to the word of God. It is the task of the church not to capture the youth, but to teach and proclaim the word of God. Mm. Wow. When I read that, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, I always want to ensure that I'm caring for the young, but in a way to care for the young is to ensure that they hear the word, yes. that they see Jesus as central to all. Mm -hmm. And they are caught into this holy rhythm of the Godhead being the foremost importance of their life as well. Yeah. That I think is really important. Yeah. And Paul does a great job of starting out with that. Yeah. He's going to get into all kinds of things about family and faith and all kinds of other elements. But he starts off with the highest Christology. It is Jesus Christ and him alone who has brought us in together to be family. It is Jesus Christ who is now through the redemption of his blood that's brought forgiveness of sins. It is Je I mean, he repeats the name of Christ over and over in this first chapter. Yes encouraging us to recognize and our viewers hey may jesus be central to your living your life your acting and even your speaking paul here used the word of christ jesus lord i mean i think probably 10 times yes we're reluctant to ever even talk about jesus sometimes even a whole sermon we have a whole idea of something we want to talk, marriage and family or this like man may jesus be the center of your family may jesus be the center of your marriage may you know, elevating him to the supreme place and position. Yeah, that's a, oh wow, that's very well said, Philip. <clears throat> um, and it, it seems clear that Paul does have this high Christology. And what you mean by high Christology, I think, is that Christ is the center of everything. Mm. Everything flows from Christ and everything flows to Christ. Yeah. So Christ is the center of the Christian life. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense because even the Name Christian comes from right, Christ, right? right so right. we are followers of Christ. And when we lose sight of that, we fall into, like you said, the dangers of either um, antinomianism on one side where we, we reject reject any restraints at all or on the other side uh, it, legalism where we mm. where we feel like um, we can save ourselves by our mm. works. Mm. Christ being the center of our our Christian walk keeps us from those dangers yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah and i and like you said paul paul right here he talks about that as well that he says um in him in christ verse seven we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of god's grace mm -hmm. right so mm -hmm. it is because of christ because of his blood and his sacrifice that we are able to receive all of this. We've been redeemed mm. in Christ. Mm. Mm. And I, I, again, in the lesson, I loved how um, Dr. McVeigh talks about the blood of Christ mm. and how in Paul, we, we have this idea of substitutionary atonement, right? Somebody paying for another's sins, but there's never a message that God is paying Satan. Sometimes that imagery has come into our minds that uh, God is paying a debt to Satan, right? Mm. But that's not a biblical concept. He makes mm. a great point that that mm. came through other means in medieval times. Uh, but that concept didn't come through scripture mm. that God is not paying a debt to Satan because God doesn't owe Satan anything, mm. right? Mm. So great point. Yeah, it is a great point, right? Wow. But my question is then, then who needed to be paid? Did anybody need to be paid? Like, what does it mean that, why did it cost the blood of, if, mm. if someone, if Satan didn't need to be paid, why did it cost the blood of Jesus in order to, to atone for our sins mm. and to give us forgiveness? Mm. Why did he have to die? Yeah, I mean, I think the rest of the verse is actually where you stopped, kind of answer that for us. If we continue going on verse eight through nine, 10, 
um, the grace of God, which was lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, Hmm. according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. You know, there was the mystery of his will, which was established in Christ, this idea of the death and the atonement. That mystery was now revealed to the whole world. The question would be why? Mm. Why that? I think it answers it. So that unity would emerge again. Mm. Only God could bridge the gap that was created by sin itself. It has nothing to do with Satan, you could say. Though there is a war that's taking place, a great controversy between Christ and Satan, when we talk about humanity and God, only God could bridge the gap mm. to bring unity once again. Where a divide had occurred, heaven here, humanity here, there's a deep chasm. Again, yeah. Matthew 5, 8, the pure in heart see God. There's a chasm because of our sin. The reason Christ died is to bring back the bridge. Yeah, that's a great point. So there is a brokenness there and that that Jesus dying on the cross was a way to fix and restore mm -hmm. the brokenness mm -hmm. that was there. Mm -hmm. And I think that brings up the point that forgiveness always has a cost, mm. right? If Philip, you know, you, uh, if I break your phone, I accidentally knock it off the table and it cracks and you forgive me and say, yeah. Joey, it's okay. Yeah. yeah, that's all right. Um, that forgiveness that you offered me still has a cost for you, right? Like you're going to have to replace your phone or fix your phone or yeah. fix the screen. Yeah. There's an actual monetary yeah. cost right. of your forgiveness right. for me. There's right. always, because something was broken by my act, forgiving that act mm. requires some mm. kind of cost mm. be paid by you, the yeah. forgiver. Yeah. And so... To, so, an, to yeah. an atheist or a young adult that's really challenging these ideas, it seems very foreign and almost illogical. Yeah. Like, why in the world would God need to do that? Mm -hmm. Why couldn't he just, hey, no worry. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't yeah. worry. You know, Italian. Don't yeah. worry about it. It's all right. <laughs> you know, um, and I think that that is a very strange idea yeah. for the non-Christian world. The Muslim, God to do, desecrate his standing in heaven to come down to be a human. You've got to be crazy. Yeah. You know, Um but that is the part of the mystery of his will, mm -hmm. which he revealed at a certain time in order to bridge humanity and, and heaven. Yeah. Um, I think that's a concept that, as Ellen White talks about, I believe, we will be studying into eternity. Yeah. Because it is truly a mystery. I, I don't fully comprehend the significance of how God could do something like that. Yeah. I, I do think, I agree with you. I, I think we're going to continue to study this through the ceaseless ages yeah. of, of, of eternity, like Ellen White says. Um, I do think, though, part of the reason why sometimes we have difficulty grasping this concept is because we don't fully understand the destructiveness of sin. Mm. Because when we say something like, well, can't God just snap his fingers and then it's it's all okay? Right. It's because we think sin is just um, an, a, a mark on an accounting book, mm. right? It's an mm. arbitrary line that mm. God just created. And that's why he can just like say, you know what? That's fine. Because it's just an arbitrary. It has no cost for him to, to erase that debt. Mm. But that's underestimating what sin actually does. This separation, this mm. brokenness of this relationship it's misunderstanding the way that God got the and the the reality of who God is and mm. the way that He created this universe. The order, yeah, yeah. and and mm. the relational element, this idea of love. When we say that God is love, it, you know, it, sometimes we think of it as just this nice thing. Oh, God is a loving God, right? But it's more than that. Mm. There is a principle of mm. love that is the foundation of the way this universe works. Uh. And when that is broken mm. by selfishness, by self-centeredness, by 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 this, uh, by our putting ourselves above everything else, right? Mm -hmm. When that destroys that order, it creates a fracture in the in the order of the universe. Mm. And what the Bible seems to be clear, and this is this is again, this is the part that we're going to study 
through the ceaseless ages of eternity. But what the Bible is clear about is that is not something that you can just erase with an eraser, that even God can just snap his fingers and it all makes it okay. Hmm. Because of the relational peace to the way that this world works, no matter, I mean, even if God God snapped his finger and made everything okay, unless he erased and reset the entire universe, erased everybody's memory, the relational element would still be broken. Mm. And so God had to fix it in a way mm. that that he couldn't, that it actually took a cost mm. to himself. And, and I would add maybe that you could also make a really good point for the gravity of his law and order yeah. held that much that to break it, there would need to be some form of reshaping to, to mend that itself too. Yeah. Um, there was an order established in which harmony would exist mm -hmm. and disorder was then caused yeah. by a breaking of that. And it really does make each one of us feel the gravity of that when, when there is some form of punishment. Mm -hmm. I know that's a hard thing to say, but you know, God's forgiveness is merciful, but its consequences in life are not always taken away. And having to feel the repercussion of my decision to speed, God will forgive me. The state will say, hey, no problem until you pay that, though, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and there comes a level where it's like, wow, you're forgiven, but you're still going to have to bear the consequence. I think of the young man I remember meeting um, and his two sisters I, I met first. He sped through those uh, country roads there around Berrien Springs over 100 miles an hour, went straight through a stop sign and killed a family of, of three, mm -hmm. you know. That's awful. He was forgiven. He was loved back into community, but he had to serve about 10 years in prison. That's painful. Mm -hmm. You know, 18-year-old till he was 28. Yeah. Um, so I think the mercy of God is so beautiful. But like you say, there is a cost. Mm -hmm. The incredible thing is, as, as the book of John brings up, Christ paid for our death that we deserve. Mm -hmm. You know, And it wasn't until a long time later I realized that he paid for our second death, mm -hmm. that eternal death after the resurrection. He paid that there would be no disorder needed in your life anymore because I, I brought back everything in harmony because of my great sacrifice. Yeah. Oof. And that's when, when, when it really hits us what the cost was, it's just, it reminds us, it reminds us that how destructive sin is, but how great God's love and mm. grace is to cover that. Yes. Sin. Yeah. But the fact that God's grace is so great doesn't undermine the the destructiveness of sin. Yeah. You know, you have to have both because mm -hmm. if you belittle the sin and say, you know, it's actually not that big of a deal, then God's grace is not that big of a deal right. to cover it. Right. right. It's because because God's grace is so big that yeah. that it's able to cover yes. this sin that is yes. such a big deal. Exactly. Right. And Costly. Yeah, and that's, especially in the book of Romans, Paul mm. seems to be very clear mm. about that. But even in statements like this in the book of Ephesians, you see that later on, we're going to be talking about the grace of God in Ephesians mm -hmm, chapter mm -hmm, 2, right? Mm -hmm. But this idea that both the destructiveness of sin, but the greatness of God's grace, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. to belittle any one of those two is to belittle the other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Joey, I, I feel like we can't go go to the end of our time here together without just touching on this just for a brief moment yeah. uh, verse 13 14 15 you were also included in christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation when you believed you were marked in him with a seal the promised holy spirit who is a deposit a guarantee of the inheritance um, as Adventists, we look at the Sabbath as the seal kind of in the last days. And I think sometimes we overlook the fact that Ephesians brings out the fact that, hey, in addition to the Sabbath being an important factor for last day believers, the Holy Spirit is too. As a seal, a mark upon you that you, as it says here, believed the truth. Mm -hmm. 
that Jesus is Lord and the author of your salvation. Yeah, that's a great point. Because of the terminology of the, the, the terminology of sealing has become so particularized in the Adventist faith, right? Yeah. Especially if you've attended some revelation seminars in oh, the past sure. and things like that. And Pastor Randy, as we've mentioned before, is going to be diving into the book of Revelation throughout yeah. our cameo. I'm very excited because yeah. he's doing a fresh take on, yeah. on the book of Revelation and really focusing on the role of Christ as, as the center mm. of the book of Revelation. Mm. But getting back to this passage, that concept of the seal, like you've, you're saying, it, it is, it's a very common concept throughout the book, throughout the Bible, right? The sealing of the people of God. And it's not always necessarily dealing with end time events. Mm. This is the idea that, that God places his seal on us. Um, again, uh, Dr. Mvade does a great job describing the different ways that this, this term seal is used to describe something's authenticity, to put a mark guaranteeing its payment in the future. And there is both both ideas present here, right? Mm -hmm. This idea that mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit seals us is his way of showing us that that we are we are truly his. Yeah. The, whole, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of him blessing our lives yeah. Yeah. is a is a guarantee that our salvation is genuine, yes, right? Yes. There's this genuine seal that's pressed on it. Mm -hmm. But also he uses this idea of guaranteeing, right? It's mm. a deposit. Mm. So it's almost like the Holy Spirit is saying, because because you know that you've been saved now, that means you're going to be saved in the future Ooh, as well. Wow. There is a guarantee of something to come. Mm, that's incredible. I know a lot of us can be hesitant about that idea, but I think there should be an assurance that when the Spirit of God lives in and through you, yeah. hey, you're marked for salvation for eternity. That's an incredible thought. Yeah. I don't take it for granted either. Yeah. You know, I, I say that with the most humility that when we receive the Spirit of God in us, we can walk with assurance of salvation. Uh, and now that isn't always something you can see. The Spirit is in someone. I guess in the sense like, oh, they have the Spirit, but they will have the manifestations of what the Spirit gives, mm -hmm. you know, the fruit of the Spirit mm -hmm. that will capture later on, you know. So you will see within a person, man, they are walking in accordance with the gift of God that he's given them. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect, that we no. present perfect fruits all the time. Right. But that God is developing these yeah. Yeah. character traits yeah. these fruits within right. us what is the, what what does this matter to someone in the church who's a little bit younger i mean how does this really make any practical significance to both young people or just even us today yeah that's a good question i think for me it's very practical because there is a lot of doubt about identity especially that we all struggle with but especially during our younger generations right um, the, this idea that who am I, where am I going? What, what is my purpose? Who, and what, what this passage seems to say is that the Holy Spirit working in your life guarantees your identity. Mm. Your identity is not dependent on what you accomplish or even what your potential to accomplish mm. is, right? Mm. Which is sometimes mm. how we frame mm. younger generations. They haven't accomplished anything yet, but they have tremendous potential. potential. As if their only value comes from potential. Ugh. And yet Paul seems to be very clear that that is not what, what is our value. Our mm -hmm. value comes from our identity as children of God. Oh, and that's something that we have already received yes. before we do anything else. Yes. And it is sealed by the presence of the Holy Spirit yes. in our lives. Amen. To mention one thing about potential, I heard one preacher just recently say this at one of Elena's home churches back in Washington. He said, stop talking about potential and start talking about just reaching the call that God has for you. Your call in life may never be to reach your potential. Will one day God ask you, did you reach your potential? That you reach the mask of everything that you could accomplish in this life? Yeah. Did you fulfill the purpose that God had for your life? Did you listen to his voice? Did you invest in following the leading of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. That, my friend, is a life well lived. 
But did you do everything you could have done to reach the max of echelons of accomplishment? Yeah. That doesn't really matter, does yeah. it? We, yeah. we somehow reverse the role, you know. But the idea that, hey, you are loved and you are called uh, beloved of Christ without ever accomplishing anything, you never reached a potential, that's because the kingdom flips the world's ideals on its head. Yeah. I love that. And what does it mean to really reach your potential when we'll have an eternity mm. to continue to grow? Wow. Right? So wow. that that idea wow. of potential hanging over our heads can be something that is overwhelming, yeah. especially to someone who's younger. Oh, yeah. And yet one of the greatest gifts, we've been talking about the blessings of the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest gifts the Holy Spirit gives to us is the guarantee mm. that we already have value mm. we already have a confirmed identity mm. as children mm. of god mm. and that's what he gives to us amen thank you philip can you pray for us as yeah we... let's do it let's do it bow your heads with me friends jesus thank you so much for being so merciful gracious and generous unto us lord undeserving as we are you say we matter and that we have incredible value in you because of what your son did for us and so, Lord, in this moment, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your lavish grace, almost a prodigal-like grace that is just continually giving this to us in excess. Lord, thank you for being so generous. But, Lord, I also want to pray over now our friends who are watching this now. God, you know the burdens that they're carrying in their life. You know the heartaches that they have that they share with no one. But, God, you're here this morning telling them, friend, I see you. I know the pain you're carrying. I understand the circumstances. I see the relationships. I see the work. I know things aren't right, but I'm with you in the midst of that. You're going to be okay. So, Father, thank you for extending unto us a blessing of seeing us and acknowledging that you're with us along the way mm. by the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Amen. So friends, remember, you matter. Doesn't matter yeah. what you've done in the past, what you're doing in the present, or yes. what you have the potential to do in the future. Mm -hmm. Your identity in Christ is guaranteed. He loves you, he cares for you, and believe it, accept it, and trust it. Amen. Have a happy Sabbath. Mm -hmm.